Get away. Well, this is our stop. Would you like to come sightseeing with us? We're gonna visit the place where J.C. Penny sends their damaged merchandise. No thanks. I'm gonna keep on riding the rails, swapping stories for sponge baths. Ahem. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I believe I told three stories. Oh, I'll meet you in Wilmington. Close the door. Raise your arm. Okay, the other one. You know, I do uh, 400 sit-ups a day. Oh, it shows. I was going to say something, but I thought it might sound, you know, weird. Oh, not at all. I like when people say nice things about my body. And it's important to feel good about yourself. Okay, spread your toes. Oh, you know how much glass is in here? Four-finger discount, dude. Welcome to Four Figure Discount. This week we are here to review the finale of Season 12. Yes, we finally made it, everybody. We made it through to the end. There's a season filled with some highs and some very, very, very lows. <laughs> In particular, maybe this episode. So, yes, like I said, it's the finale of Season 12. We finally made Episode 21. It's Episode CABF17. It's Simpson Tall Tales. I am Dando. I am Guy, and what a long, strange trip it's been. Season 12, we, uh, well, we kind of knew what we were getting into. Dando, perhaps more than me, I think it had been a very long time since I'd seen some of the episodes in Season 12, um, the much maligned <laughs> Season 12, but I think we found a few, um, we found a few diamonds in this rough, I think we uh, found a few uh, nuggets of gold among this field of fool's gold, and, um, and now we're wrapping it all up with uh, Episode 21, the big finale, the Tall Tales. You say big finale, but honestly, I'm I'm not gonna lie. This may be controversial, but this episode, for the first time, I think I can remember doing this show, actually felt like a chore. I I've never before this sort of not wanted to keep watching the episode halfway through it, and it's not saying I hated it. I didn't hate it. I just didn't care. I tried like three times to watch this episode, and every single time I got like halfway and just went, do I? Do I have to keep watching this? I mean, I'm, I'm just done. I'm checking out. Like, if you compare this to last season's finale, Behind the Laughter, there's, well, there is no comparison. It's just nowhere near as good. It's not especially compelling. There are um, one or two, oh, maybe more, good sight gags in there. One or two good one-liners. But, uh, yeah, it does kind of feel like... Uh, let's just wrap up this season, guys. Come on. I think we all want to go on holiday, or um, I think we all just want to sort of clock off. Yeah, there's, it's not especially inspired, shall we say. I think the problem with this episode is that it relies heavily on the fact that it expects you to know what these segments are, are about, like what the stories are about. I, I can guarantee you, I was definitely in this category when I was a kid, That and, and even even now, really that many international viewers would have no idea what these stories are even about. Yeah, look, I think even in 2001, for, for American uh, viewers, the, you know, the, the tall tales of Paul Bunyan and Johnny Appleseed, a.k.a. Connie Appleseed, were kind of like, oh, I've heard the name, but, yeah, I mean, I don't think um, 
any, you put a gun to anyone, on, <laughs> you put a gun to the head of anyone on an American street, which you could probably get away with these days. Um, you do that and say, tell me the tale of Paul Bunyan. I'd be like, nah, you better pull the trigger. Yeah, it's just it just wasn't enjoyable at all for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll tell you what. I mean, even there's a bit when they're about to start the third story, and uh, Lisa points out that's not a tall tale. It's a book by Mark Twain. I was about yeah, yeah. to say exactly that. Yes. Okay. Yes. I think I think Lisa was playing the role of the viewer in this one, which she has done in several episodes this year. <laughs> but but at the same time, I wouldn't have put it past the. Um, um, the writers' room at, at Team Simpsons to go. We can't come up with the third tall tale, but um, people seem to know Huckleberry Finn. <laughs> you yeah, know, let's let's just go with that. So it's it, old, it it's beloved. The- let's just go with that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, so look, I don't think it's an absolute um, disaster or schmozzle, but uh, yeah, it's it's not um, it's not exiting the the season on a high note. Let's say. No, see, I, I was. Well, my immediate thought was, why would you end up with a, a format-bending episode of season? I remember last season ended with the uh, Behind the Laughter. And I compared the two and I thought, man, there, there actually is no comparison. That Behind the Laughter was a spot-on parody, which was full of laughs. It was just hilarious, really, from start to finish. I loved Behind the Laughter. This one here, I just thought, can we just end it now? <laughs> but there was, a really great, there was a really great throwback to Behind the Laughter at the start of this episode. Did you notice that one? I did not. Please tell me. Okay, so it starts off with the family saying, I can't believe you won another contest. The Simpsons are going to Delaware. So <laughs> behind the laughter ends with them saying, and they ran out of ideas or something like that. And it cuts to the clip of the family saying, we won another contest. The Simpsons are going to Delaware. And it cuts to Homer going, ah. it cuts to Homer going this will be the last season. <laughs> <laughs> so that was behind the laughter. So this was sort of like a, a little sort of throwback piss take saying that, I don't know whether the you wouldn't think that the writers would have thought that this was going to be the last episode of the series going into it, but you would have thought by season twelve, if you're working on the staff, twelve seasons, that's a good run. You wouldn't think it's going to have much more legs in it, would you? Oh no, no. I mean, I think the because um, what season are we up to now? Is it like thirty one, thirty two? Thirty two now, I believe. Yeah, I mean that's kind of unprecedented. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I mean, yeah, twelve years is a is a terrific run in television. And, um, you know, I don't think, uh, if, I think if the show had bowed out at that stage, no one would be sort of hanging their heads in shame. Oh, my God, we only made it a, a decade and change. You know, whereas, you know, some, you know, some shows get yanked off the air after the first episode. So, man, it's, it's nothing to be ashamed of. But uh, we've managed to <laughs> go on for another two decades on top of that. It's incredible. It's, it's funny because they're, they're big on these format bending episodes. Um, in the in the later seasons, you didn't really have them all that often, and I've read that based off the success of Simpsons Bible Stories, um, which I thought was really good, and it got you know critical acclaim, and people seemed to enjoy it. They went with this one again, and they also had that trilogy of error. I would have been fine if they did like a trilogy of error esque episode every year. You know, the one where you know where it was just all intertwined stories, Homer's Day, Bart's mm, Day. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was probably the best episode of the season. But this kind type of thing. I just don't need it. You got, you got your Treehouse of Horror. You don't need your three random other stories. I think one of those a year is, is enough and just leave it with a Treehouse of Horror. You didn't need another one or at least do it once every yeah. few seasons. Don't do it once a year. Yeah, I think if you are going to do it once a year and it's going to be um, something that's part of the the regular calendar, you really have to sort of up your game. I mean, if you're going to make it a quote-unquote special event, it has to be special. 
Yeah, and this, uh, not really that special. Well, you're just alienating a lot of your international viewers because, as I said earlier, that I just don't think many young kids outside of America, and as you pointed out, maybe even some in America, knew what the hell they were talking about. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't really sort of um, transcend that and no. and, and, and be a... Um, yeah, funny or engaging on its own merits. I, like I said, there's some uh, there's some good one-liners in there, some good visual gags, but yeah, generally speaking, it's just it, it's fine, it's okay. Do you want to, for some of our listeners who may not be, you know, fully understanding of the stories, do you want to run through what each one was about? Oh, <laughs> I'm even I'm not that familiar with Paul Bunyan. I mean, all I really know about Paul Bunyan is that, like he's a big dude uh, who chopped down trees. And he had um, his offsider was a blue ox named Babe. Named Babe, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's pretty much all I know. I don't think they really went that far off the source material for these, did they? To the best of my recollection, um, I, I guess they, I, think, I, th- I think the second one they did with the with the buffalo yeah, and all that. Yeah, certainly. I don't I don't know anything about Johnny Appleseed. It <laughs> was the thing, and we probably and this is probably going to be annoyed by that but it's just like it's just not spoken about here it's not it'd be kind of like us going to australia uh, going to america and saying hey you know that story about Walter matilda right like yeah what yeah. what <laughs> like, you know it just it just doesn't i think that's why I'm, I'm not saying that's why i didn't say this was a bad episode cuz i'm sure if you're an american you understand the stories they're probably really funny they probably are some good gags but most of it just went straight over my head yeah. and that, and that, and that, is, like- my, that is my fault for being unlearned Look, I'm feeling quite unlearned myself. In all honesty, I mean, by the time you get to the um, Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer stuff, I, I, I had to sort of um, to say to myself, I'm not sure I've ever read a Mark Twain book cover to cover. Okay, I, I thought you I've would have read... been all about Mark Twain. I may, have, I may have sort of taken a stab at it when I was a kid, but honestly, I don't remember that much about it. Um, so if I did, it didn't stick. I mean, yeah. it was that long ago. But yeah, I do feel like Mark Twain is something that I should have read and then realised, oh, wait a minute, no, I don't think... I know of Tom Sawyer, I know of Huckleberry Finn, I sort of know bits and pieces of their stories and stuff like that, but uh, no, whether I've actually read it from uh, read it to completion, no, I don't believe that's the case. So um, yeah, look, I think we're, we're admitting um, a fair bit of... Um, a bit of ignorance at at, uh, at this stage of the proceedings. You know what I also didn't really like? This is what I didn't like about the episode. I thought all the stuff with the hobo was just eye-rolling cringeworthy. I wouldn't go quite that far, but... Like, when, mm. uh, for example, you've got the Simpsons family there, and all of a sudden there's a naked hobo in front of them. Homer's giving them a sponge bath, and apparently That's... Marge and Lisa like, aren't even batting an eyelid at this. Like, I mean, <laughs> Marge, three seasons ago, would have been covering the kid's eye saying... Oh my god, this is like un- this is not suitable. But that she's just sitting there whilst there's a naked homeless man in front of her while homeless giving a sponge bath, and he's like, "Yeah, get right in there, get right in there." And the family, the kids are just watching it. And I'm like, "I don't know. This is just ah, it just it for me." I was just like, "Yeah, no, thank you. This is just a step too ridiculous for me." I think it's a very much your mileage may vary kind of thing. I mean, I can't say that I sort of rolled my eyes at it. I, I was not necessarily all that impressed by it, but it didn't sort of make me go, oh, "This is a bit out of character for the for the for the, the character or the show." So I don't know. I rolled with it, but I was not necessarily that amused by it. This hobo character was, um, 
Yeah, he wasn't exactly coming up with the zingers. I mean... Uh, well, I'm just watching it going, wait, is this supposed to be funny or awkward? What, what, what is it supposed to be? <laughs> yeah. Or both or neither. Yeah. And, yeah. Do you know Jim Carrey was originally supposed to voice the hobo, but they, he was too busy at the time, so they couldn't get him, so it just went to uh, to Hank. Ah, right. Well, yes. I mean, look, I think Hank certainly given it the old college try, as they say. I mean, I think he, he put in the work, but uh, he's, you're only as good as the material you've got to work with. Hey, my favourite! So what was your favourite moment from the episode, Mr Davis? Um, well, I think uh, our finger of friends out there would probably know by now that I'm a big fan of any time Homer shakes his fist and um, and makes a threat. So when he's at the, uh, at the ticket, ticket desk at the airport... And he is asking to um, have a certain tax waived and then waive it. <laughs> That's probably it. That's probably my my favourite bit in this episode. I, I knew it was going to be your favourite. And I did love the stupid anti-fist waving. <laughs> 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 my favourite bit, I really enjoyed, uh, it was in the Huckleberry Finn. Um, well, it was actually the Tom Sawyer segment, not Huckleberry Finn. But uh, when it's like, looks like we're out of fat back. Hard tack. Jack back, bum out. Uh, it was just that, that little bit there. I just thought, because basically that was Nancy Cartwright having a conversation with herself. And like she does Nelson and Bart. And I just thought that would have been so great to watch live. Mm. <laughs> kind of like apparently some of the best moments watching the uh, actors do the voices is when Harry Shearer does a conversation with Burns and Smithers. Oh, is there any footage online, do you think? I don't know if there's footage online, but I've just, I think it was Joe Montagna that said one of his favorite things is that watching Harry Shearer have a conversation with himself. He thinks it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. You there, eating the paste. All right. Trivia for this week, Mr. Davis. It's the final trivia for season 12 of Four Finger Discount. I've got. F- take it away. I've got five whole questions here if you're interested. Five? All right. You better take it away because I've only got three. Okay. Well, we'll stop when you're ready. Which massive Japanese monster. Did Paul Bunyan not fight? Oh, as in like Lisa calls him out for it, yeah? That is correct. Uh, Rodan? Rodan, that is right. Rodan. Yes. Rodan. <laughs> I only know Rodan and Mothra. They're the only ones that I know. <laughs> well, of course you know Godzilla. Oh, oh, but enemies, I mean. Sorry, enemies. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my first question is, what was Bart looking forward to seeing in Delaware or visiting? It's a factory of some sort, and I want to say paper or cardboard. No, it's what you would put on the front of your house. <laughs> a for sale sign? <laughs> <laughs> a screen door factory. A, a for, a, a for, oh, okay. oh, screen door factory. What are the names of the two characters in the little play that um, the hobo puts on for The Simpsons? Ah, oh, this was a big what the fuck moment for me. Um, mm. Jake... Southside Jake, yes. and it's T. Uh, tin, tin can, tin can Tilly, tin can. Oh, you got it! I got oh, it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, it was a struggle. It was like pulling a tooth out, but we got it. <laughs> but see, that was the moment for me where I—that was the moment where I tapped out every time. I was like, "What the hell am I watching here?" Yeah, that was kind of like. <laughs> I was this, like, what is, what, I was literally like, what the hell is happening right now? I don't know what's happening. This whole thing is probably going for 40 seconds and it feels like infinity. Yeah. <laughs> I fucking heard it did. I was just like, can I just please stop the review now? I don't want to watch this anymore. I'm done. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my next question is, what does Homer's, I'm going to say the character, what does Homer's mother request 
after giving birth to him. So Paul Bunyan. <laughs> Whiskey, please. Whiskey, please, yes. I like that. I thought that was a very funny line. Mm. And what else have you got for me? You should have three uh, more. Okay. I, I do indeed. Let's give me two in a row. I'm feeling I'm feeling lucky. I've got two questions right so far. Oh, okay, then fine. Huckleberry Finn um says if he if, if he if he's gonna need a new neck, where is he gonna get it from? I have no idea. Damn it, what is it? He'll get it from a cat. A cat? What? I don't remember him saying that. I think he's talking about... <laughs> I, I was so about, checked out by that point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. This is near the end of the episode. I believe he was like walking on the fence or something and um, um, the the character voiced by Lisa says, you'll break your neck. He says, well, if I break my neck, I'll just get a new one from a cat. Oh, that's right. Yes, lines. and he holds a hand and, uh, and <laughs> hilarity ensues. Hilarity does indeed a suit. Would you like another question? If you I would like lucky? one more question from yourself, yes. Okay, then. The hobo on the train is ex- in extremely good shape, especially around the midsection. How many uh, of a specific exercise does he do per day to look so ripped? Uh, is sit-ups, and it's 400. Oh, you got it. Got it. Three from four. I'm on fire this week. Oh, my God. You're just uh, you're a machine. I'm a okay. trivia shark. I said I don't care about the episode, then I just nail all the questions. Alrighty, one more for you. My final question for season twelve of Four Finger Discount is: How much was a poo going to charge, Barton Nelson? Two cents. Two cents, which is these days obviously not. I don't think you can even pay two cents in cash anymore. You can't, can you? Unless I, you use card. I th- no, I be- yeah. Unless you're uh, unless you're doing it digitally, no. Otherwise, you get rounded up or rounded down. Um. To what can we attribute uh, Paul Bunyan's incredible size? It's in the song. Oh, no. It's, no a, partic- it's a particular gland. Ah, oh, yes. I know I know exactly the line, but uh, no, I'm not going to get it. Okay. It is a hopped up pituitary gland. I, I, knew, it was a, I knew it ended with re, but I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to try and say this word. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, I hope you were keeping count of who uh, actually got points in that uh, trivia competition. I was just happy to be here, man. I was happy to be happy to be trading questions and answers with you. I wasn't even keeping score. I was just doing it well, for funsies. You, you won. I gave up in the end of counting because you were winning by so much. So much so that I've got you a gift for winning. What? Yeah. I found something at work this week and I was like, Fuck me, Guy Davis will lose his fucking mind when he sees this. So I had to buy it for you because it was the last one we had. Oh my God, because I've, I've got a gift for you that I'll have to drop over at some time in the very near future as well. Oh, really? Thank you, sir. For oh, what? Hey. <laughs> well, because, well, it's a very, very, very belated Christmas present. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. But seriously, though, I was walking through and I was like, far out, man. Like, Guy <laughs> Davis has to own this. <laughs> oh my god alright well so, I'm looking forward to losing my fucking mind sometime in the near future so next week on the uh, on the season wrap up we'll, um, I'll give you uh, the, the, the special present it's actually <gasps> two presents to be exact Ooh, it's going to be yes. quite, the, quite the occasion I'm looking forward to it also at the end of well not at the end but towards the end of this week's podcast we're going to be establishing the winner of this season's Guy Davis new name championship which means $100 cold hard cash straight to your bank account Oh boy! Oh, yes, it's, it's very it's exciting been, it's, times. It's been quite the contest this season. Oh, it's, I'm very, very excited to sort of uh, yes. to see how it's going to play out. 
Can DL go back to back? We shall soon find out. Also, next week, we're going to be drawing the winner of the wildcard prize as well, which is $50 cash straight to your bank account. So, oh. thank you so much for the patience for your support. It's our little way of giving back to you for contributing so many great new names to, uh, to the podcast this season. Indeed. We were meant to entertain you, but you ended up entertaining us. Who saw yeah, that coming? Yeah, it's fucking fantastic. It's great. <laughs> that came out of nowhere. All right, Mr. Davis. Should we get to the review, the final one for the season? Shall we? We shall. Four Finger Discount is brought to you by our incredible $20 patrons, Jordan Molman, Richie, Nick Barbaro, Andrew Zer, Christopher Darby, Chris Malion, Will Manthorpe, Ben Smith, Noah Daniel, Matt Thompson, Mark Boston Burgess, Alex Rodriguez, Tom Pickering, Kane Von Nagy, Josh Head, Sean Davey, Keith Nedham, Sam Bennett, Timothy Belson, Brandon Twitchell, Nick James, Bitch, Cal McDonald, Shannon Hofer, Nicole Catalina Wine Mixer, George McMenemy, Zach Pruitt, Jonathan Rossi, Adam Sanderson, and our two new $20 plus patrons, Daniel Kotnick and Stephen Roberts. Thank you so much for your ongoing support, guys. Also, shout out to our new $5 plus patrons. This week we have got... Rod B and George Wilding. Thank you so much, guys. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of the Four Finger Discount Patreon family, where you get access to the Facebook group, a bunch of exclusive podcasts and more, just going to go to patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. Now let's get into our review of Simpson Tall Tales. Okay, so Simpsons Tall Tales originally aired May 20th, 2001. Chopper gag I actually thought was really funny. Uh, I should not be 21, 21 by, by now. now. <laughs> and the couch gag was the living room is a subway station and the train comes on, the Simpsons get off and hop on the couch. So the episode kicks off with the Simpsons at the airport. They've won a contest trip to Delaware, as we mentioned. We discussed in the intro there. It's the throwback to behind the laughter. But because Homer won't pay the airport tax, as we heard in Guy Davis's favorite moment, uh, they, have cash, they have to now cash the Union Pacific uh, due to the anti-fish shaking laws. So, Bart then finds what he thinks is a dead hobo, but it's actually a singing hobo, not to be confused with a stabbing hobo, and he starts singing this song about Paul Bunyan. <laughs> so, the first part, so basically, yeah, this is all tall tales, all just classic American tales that anyone outside of America probably doesn't really know. So, this one's about Paul Bunyan, who was apparently just yeah, like the, the, the tall dude who cut down trees. Indeed. Before we get into that, a couple of things, though. I did like that uh, the hobo referred to non-hobos as nobos that's not bad um, yeah so i listened to the commentary today at work and that was mike scully said that he was hoping that that was going to be a term that they you know sometimes the simpsons create terms that it just catches on yeah kind of like seinfeld did with yada 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 and things like that yeah. and they they really thought nobos is going to be a thing yeah no nah. but unfortunately <laughs> it did not take off did you but it did uh, prompt me to do a little research on hobos um okay because there's a bit of a hierarchy when it comes to um Let's say people without a roof over their heads. Hobo is kind of at the top of the rank. I mean, a hobo is not necessarily someone who doesn't have a home. Back during the Depression or whatever, they rode the rails, picking up work where they could, but um, they would eventually go back to where they came from. Hobo is apparently short for Homeward Bound. Wow, wee. There you go. My, one of my favourite films when I was a kid as well. Remember Homeward Bound, the movie? Homeward Bound, The Adventure Continues? Or? Yeah, I fucking loved that movie when I was a kid. Was that the one with the, the cat and the dog who, uh, you know, you wouldn't think they were friends, but they actually turned out to be good buddies? That was, it was, uh, two was that dog, Milo two, and Otis? That was Milo and Otis where like 13 cats got killed during the making of the movie. But, um, oh, of course, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking of the one that's two dogs and a cat and they all belong to a family and they go missing because the family moves. And then oh. they have to find their way back home. It's a really good movie. When I, I loved, loved it when I was a kid. But Milo and Otis loved that when I was a kid. And then, yeah, I found out that, you know, when that cat's falling off that cliff, yeah, they just threw a cat off a cliff. 
Yeah, you hear horrible stories about those kinds of things. Yes, and you know when that cat's with that bear? Yeah, they just put a kitten in front of a bear, put, turned the cameras on and just filmed whatever happened. <laughs> Crazy times. Poor Milo. Poor Otis. <laughs> uh, so the poor Bunya story. Um, so basically, yeah, he's big. And he should, what I did like about this segment was that at least Homer was consistent throughout. He was just, he wasn't a smart ass or anything. He was just a bit of an oaf, wasn't he? A, a big giant oaf. Yes. yes. I mean, uh, and yeah, look, I mean, I, I just suppose. Don't, I just don't know the, if there's much for us to really discuss and dissect in, the, in these segments. <laughs> not a whole lot, really. I mean, I think we just sort of give you a bit of a synopsis of what happens, you know. I mean, uh, Homer's Paul Bunyan is traipsing around the place. He's he's a big ass galoot who's you know knocking over houses and crushing people and all this kind of stuff to the point where you know the townspeople are just so sick of him they decide to get him drunk and in with the help of Moe's roofies knock him out and drag him out of town. That's pretty much it. I mean, just um, like they did to Laura Ingalls. Ingalls, Laura Ingalls, <laughs> just as like they did to Laura Ingalls. Uh, Author of the uh, Little House on the Prairie. That is books. correct. Yes, that that is correct. I got a few good laughs out of one or two things there. I mean, um, I like the idea of well, when Homer's uh, when Homer's Paul Bunyan is lonely and creates uh, Babe the Blue Ox out of stone. I like the fact that they're just as clumsy as each other and they sort of traipse through the countryside, end up creating Death Valley as a result. Well, that was not too bad. The Great Smoky course, Mountains then, as well. Yeah, and then it reaches a little ro- uh, romantic moment when uh, Homer, I keep calling him Homer's Paul Bunyan, let's just call him Homer, um, sees Marge, is instantly smitten and um, yeah, decides to court her, but first he's got to tidy himself up. Using Marge as, an, as, an, as a Q-tip, um, it's a bit gross. Yeah, it <laughs> is a bit gross. gross. And uh, they were saying in the commentary how they were toying up with her to have a bunch of wax caught in her hair when he pulled her out and they thought oh, yeah, that would be one step too far. <laughs> that would have been, yes, ex- that would have been three steps too far. Just terrible. I did like um, how, but, I did like how, because when he was far away, he just looked like a normal size and as he was running closer, <laughs> she realised, wait a minute, that's a giant and she turned around and ran the other way. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. But yeah, I did, go back to the what you mentioned before, like the Death Valley and the Great Smoky Mountains and then the, the big holes with Beer National Park. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah i mean with the the relationship between um between homer and marge there and you know homer's clearly getting a bit towy after going out on various romantic <laughs> that's dates a great, that's a great and, word uh, towy it's a great word isn't it <laughs> <laughs> I feel a bit towy <laughs> to overseas listeners i think you understand what we mean when we Randy. say a bit towy <laughs> i'll tell you something a little sidebar if you don't mind I think, um, I think this episode is going to need them. <laughs> I think it might be. I think we're going to have to juice this up with anecdotes from our own lives and stuff like that. Um, is this about the last time you were towy? No, no, no. It's actually it's only slightly related to that, but I mean, it's more about slang and how it sort of yep. changes over time. Because um, I was uh, over at the over, you know, spending some time with the lovely Louise and her family not long ago, and Louise's daughter. Uh, was had just watched the show Bridgerton on Netflix. Now I don't know if you know much about Bridgerton. I didn't. I knew a little bit about it, but I hadn't really. I thought, eh, look, this doesn't really look like my kind of speed. But I knew a bit about it, and I said, oh, should you be watching that? I hear it's a bit saucy, you know. And I'm, you know, deliberately sort of putting on the old man voice, saying, I hear it's a bit saucy. Um, and she was just so grossed out by the term saucy that I'm like, 
it's not like I'm saying sexy. I mean, saucy's a pretty insolent. Stop saying saucy. So, <laughs> wait, that, so, wait, the daughter or Louise? Oh, Louise was fine with it. The daughter's like, no, no, <laughs> wait, saucy's a terrible. So you, so you dibber dogged on the daughter in in front of her. So you're like, I don't, young lady, I don't think you should be watching that. That is saucy. <laughs> I didn't. I wasn't saying it like that. I'm saying you pulled the bed card. I, I, I did. I didn't do it that way. I'm saying I. I heard that show is a bit saucy. <laughs> no, stop saying that. And I said, well, what about racy? What about risque? What about ribald? <laughs> I think she she was using the term. She said, it gets a bit explicit in parts. I said, mm, you know, <laughs> what's wrong with saucy? I prefer explicit. <laughs> saucy, mate. Sa- it- see, so- if I was her and I wanted to watch it and you just said to my mum, I hear it's a bit saucy. I feel like saucy sounds far more innocent than explicit. That's exactly right. So I spent the rest of the time, I said, do you know what a euphemism is? <laughs> you know, it's, 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 that's the word you use when you don't want to say the actual thing. Um, so anyway, that, but um, I did get the lowdown on Bridgerton. Audrey was very keen on explaining what the, what the whole show was about. So now I'm a Bridgerton expert. And was it but saucy? I, it sounds a bit. It sounds a bit racy. Okay, and the, so, so, so the guys get a bit towy. I, I was just in the, it. I was, I think there's a fair few towy characters in it. <laughs> this, the whole thing just reminded me of one of my favourite Homer lines ever, and one that I kept using ad nauseum throughout the nineties. I think when um, he said something like, hmm, "I wonder what's on Fox tonight." Something ribald, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, something robot, no doubt, was one of my favourites. Anyway, so um, yeah, uh, Homer, so, Homer's, so Homer's Toey. Toey. <laughs> Getting back to Homer's Toey, you can, if this if this actually makes the final cut of this episode, I'll be amazed. Uh, no, it will. Um, <laughs> but Homer, get, yeah, Homer's a bit Toey, but Marge declares she's not quite ready. I just need a few more yoga lessons. <laughs> <laughs> that was almost my favourite moment. What I will say is, your Marge there is almost better than Julie Kavner's these days. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think she, I think they may have to cut out Marge and just have Patty and Selma in now. <laughs> they, uh, they, they noticed the meteor coming down from the sky. Hi, that meteor's headed straight for us with the fire and the impact and the 100% chance of pain! Pain in the gliving! God has sent this fiery kill rock to show us his love. No, we're going to die! They ask for Paul's help now. So they, they abandon him, they drag him out and get rid of him until they need him, which he doesn't mind because it makes him the popular person once again. So he's lining up. He's going to smash the com- uh, the comet meteor, whatever, away uh, like a like a, uh, like a a baseball. This one's for the little crippled boy that I cripple. <laughs> and the meteor lands in his butt crack. Now, I have heard that... Uh, these days, they're not allowed to have butt cracks on The Simpsons. You can't have bums anymore. Really? Yeah, unless you have like a warning at the start or something. So, yeah, back then it didn't matter, but now they wouldn't be allowed to do this scene anymore. But that's just an everyday part of life. I mean, look, I was in JB Hi-Fi earlier today. Oh, there's butt cracks galore when they're flicking through Blu-rays, aren't they? Oh, honestly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's in his butt crack. He throws it away, and that's how he creates the Great Chicago Fire. I've never heard of the Great Chicago Fire. Was that actually a thing? Ah, uh, yeah, I believe it uh, took place in the early 20th century. Um, I want to say 1917 for some reason. What was it, just like the entire what the entire city was just a blaze or? I, I believe so, yeah. Wow. 
and I think there were rumours that it was started by like a, meteor. a cow kicking, <laughs> kicking over. No, yeah, by yes, a meteor being fired out of a giant's butt crack. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I believe it was started. Well, the legend is it was started by a cow kicking over a lantern. But well, there you, go. you know, sure. I could be wrong. Can't trust, you just cannot trust cows. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely not. Cattle that, are not to be trusted. If they had the chance, they'd kill you Here and everyone you love. Did I say? Did I say 1917? I meant 1871. That's, Ooh, um, that's an ear, what 40 year gap. <laughs> yeah, according to our friends at Wikipedia, the Great Chicago Fire was a conflagration that burned in the American city of Chicago duh, um, during October 8 to 10, 1871. Killed approximately 300 people, destroyed 3.3 square miles of the city, and left more than 100,000 residents homeless. Oh, shit. Okay. So it was pretty serious. Pretty big-ass fire. That is a pretty big-ass fire. I'll stop making jokes about it now that I know people died in it. Indeed. So Homer then asked... Oh, the hobo, I should say, not Homer. Homer, The hobo then asked for a sponge bath in return for for telling the story, and it was just a very, very awkward moment. Uh, It was, indeed. And it's followed up by an even more awkward moment with the hobo telling the... The story with Southside Jake tearing into Tin Can Tilly. I, I literally wrote here, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> <laughs> this is Southside Jake tearing into Tin Can Tilly. Oh, this'll be good. Who put the beans in my bindle? Oh, I am so tired of you saying that I put beans in your bindle. It just makes me so... Do you ever shut up? Kiss me, you fool! Mm-hmm. Uh, could we hear another tall tale? In a sec. Abby then tells the story of uh, Connie Appleseed, not Johnny Appleseed. What was your What's your knowledge of the Johnny Appleseed story? Because I know zilch. Um, the, the Johnny sort of walked the land, uh, throwing out apple seeds, and you know, trees sort of sprung up in his wake. Okay. That's pretty much it. There you yeah. go. Johnny sounds like a bit of a dork. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if um, if the rest of this story, you know, in, you know, like a wagon train and buffaloes and all that kind of stuff, uh, actually has any connection to the Johnny Appleseed legend at all. Our American friends uh, can probably bring us up to speed with this. Or, you know, we could look at it online, but hey, that's not what we're here for. Um so, yeah, I just, all I know about Johnny Appleseed is a dude who grew apples. And, you know, that's pretty much it, as far as I can tell. Not apple trees, just straight up apples. Oh, well, apples grow on trees, Dando. <laughs> I, I, hate to, I hate to break it to you. <laughs> Next thing I'm going to tell you about the birds and the bees. <laughs> it sounds like it's going to get pretty saucy. <laughs> I, will t- I will tell you something. I mean, not about sauciness, or apple sauciness even, but... Yeah, this this episode is so thin on the ground when it comes to story and other stuff that yeah, I sort of taken notes about other things. One is you know during the Connie Appleseed story, you know, uh, it's sort of it's motivated by Homer and everyone else being all trigger happy, killing all the buffaloes so they can eat them. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down here it's like I'm pretty sure I ate buffalo once and it was delicious. You ate buffalo where like when you were in Africa or no 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 I think it I think it was actually in Melbourne. And I would have been very. I would have been like in in my teens or something. Where would you but f- I, get buffalo in Melbourne? I'm pretty sure we went out for like a you know a a, 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 a luscious steak dinner or a luscious meat dinner. Yeah. At some restaurant in Melbourne, and the whole family, and I'm pretty sure they had buffalo on the menu because 
what I mean, why would I make this up for myself? This is not a story that I'm sort of making up for clout or a humorous yeah. anecdote. <laughs> um, and but also, if I'm misremembering it, why would I misremember it? You know, it's not necessarily something that you kind of come up with. So I'm pretty sure I did eat buffalo once, and I do have a recollection of the restaurant. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a sort of a yeah, darkened place, all that kind of stuff. And I had a nice big slab of buffalo meat and thought, this is very nice. I'm quite enjoying this. I remember when I ate my first piece of kangaroo and I wanted to dislike it, but it was very good. It depends on how you cook it. Oh. Well, I, I don't, Have you noticed? I, I didn't cook it. My dad cooked it and it tasted good. I don't oh. know how he cooked it, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I've had good kangaroo meat and I've had kangaroo meat that was undercooked and honestly felt like I was eating a bloody sponge. Ooh. Yeah. And I don't mean bloody as in bloody. I mean bloody sponge. <laughs> yeah. So that was gross. Yeah. <laughs> the visual in my mind right <laughs> just, now is just, not pleasant. Just, just, to, just to clarify. <laughs> you know, that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what happens in this segment? So they're, they're traveling across the land. They start killing buffalo to eat them, um, and they're just going to the extreme, just killing buffalo, killing, 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 culling them, basically, wiping them out, and Connie is very annoyed by this. It's very similar, this story, to uh, Lisa the Vegetarian, except Lisa the Vegetarian bit, had, yeah. had gags in it. Yeah, I mean, it's good that it is sort of faithful to, um, to the Lisa mythology, such as it is, but uh, at the same time, it's not necessarily that funny, and it's not necessarily that compelling. No, that's, that's the thing. I just sort of thought... This just is nothing. It's just yeah. It's just I mean, like, you just you sort of you you get your joys or your jollies where you find them. I mean, I remember chuckling a little bit because you know you got the wagon train sort of taking off and you hear the sound of screeching tires like in a car chase. I thought, yeah, that's not bad. That's kind of <laughs> that's not unfunny. Or um, who is it? I think it's the ye oldie sideshow Mel saying it's like a hootenanny in my mouth. When he, yes, when yeah, he yeah, when he eats the apple, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I did appreciate when she, she thinks she hears the tree, but it's actually just Mole Man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But, Poor old Mole Man. But she, um, yeah, so she hears Mole Man, takes it towards the tree, she discovers the apples, and she sort of found a renewable source of food, but they kept killing animals all the time. Mom, Dad, look what I found. <gasps> oh, boy, buffalo testicles. <laughs> train of death. Either switch to apples or go on without me. Hmm. You'll be sorry! Ah! Oh. I did, I thought it was funny how easy the buffalo were to kill in this. Well, yeah. But it just, yeah, just sort of, it wasn't funny enough where I sort of thought, this isn't carrying a story. You know what I mean? Um, mm. So she's now changed her name to Appleseed, according to the hobo. They've changed her name to Bufferkill or something along those lines. Uh, cool little visual gag here. So you think the buffalo is sleeping. It's just Homer sleeping in a sleeping bag. <laughs> that wasn't too bad, actually. That was okay. <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so it's actually Homer sleeping in the bag. Homer realizes that they've wiped out all of them. This actually might have been one of my favorite moments as well, where it's just like, oh, what have I done? What have I done? I oh, don't worry, Dad. There's still two left. Bang, bang. Oh, what have I done? <laughs> I'll just write, I've got my notes here. America. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it probably hit a little too close to home for me, for me to sort of go, 
Yeah, that's a good gag. It's, like, <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Yes. Uh, so they all resort to cannibalism. How gross were the sounds when they started digging into Homer? Oh, God, yeah. I thought he was done for, but no, because um, Lisa arrives just at the right time. And, or not, unfortunately for Mo, Mo has, is eating Homer. But she says, Look, I've got some apples. We can eat these instead. Mo is still eating Homer. And thanks to that little girl, today you can find apples and everything that's good. Apple wine, apple whiskey, apple schnapps, apple martinis, a snapple with vodka in it, apple nail polish remover. Don't forget apple sauce. Yeah, I suppose you could grind some pills into it. It's basically, I I don't know, I I just felt the wraparound in this. You could have taken the wraparound out and it still would have been fine. This could have just been simply three short stories and it still would have worked. If you know mm. what I mean. Final act. Uh, they're traveling over the Mississippi River, which makes him feel like he's going to tell the story, uh, which is actually, like you said, a Mark Twain story, not not a tall tale, which Lisa points out. Um, so that's Huckleberry Finn and Tom Sawyer. So this is the legend of Tom Sawyer, I believe, not the legend of Huckleberry Finn. Is that right? I believe so. Oh, I think it's a, it's a bit of a mishmash of mishmash, both. Mishmash, is that okay? Yeah, because... Um, I think the the raft on the Mississippi is out of the Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, whereas the stuff with like uh, whitewashing the fence um, and the, the fake funeral, wedding and all that. I think that's I think that's out of Tom Sawyer. Okay, okay. So yes, yeah, so they're painting the fence. So um, yes, Bart is Tom, and Huckleberry is Nelson. Uh, mm-hmm. Making the other kids do it for them. Nelson falls off the fence. Gets up, holds Lisa's hand, he's in love. That was another thing too. So at least they had a bit of a throwback there to when... Because it's funny, ever since the episode Lisa's date with, date with Density, Nelson and Lisa, they've always had this little mutual bond there where it's just like, it's an unspoken bond. They're not dating, but Nelson always looks out for her, you know? Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he holds her hand. Her dad, which is played by Homer in this, sees it and forces them to get married. It was, it was shot, shotgun it, it, wedding. A nice little play on the shotgun wedding term, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Particularly the whole thing with um. Well, I'll let you say it. No, you say it. You, you, you take it away, sir. It's the finale. It's about well, time I'll yeah. let you say something. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I think you're doing so well saying everything. No, not everything. But uh, I did like the bit with um, yeah, uh, Grandpa Simpson um, clearly having held had to held had to hold his own shotgun wedding for Homer and Marge. The minute he puts the shotgun down, Marge is out of there. <laughs> <laughs> <I thought that> <laughs> <was>. <laughs> Uh, very very amusing it turns out that Huckleberry has swapped himself out for a pig so basically what happens in the actual story well like I said man my, my Mark Twain knowledge is uh, a little deficient okay says. okay so yes yeah, so they, they bail on the wedding so he, he's gotten out of it of having to get married and they bail on the raft and the rapids take them past the state line they uh, end up going down through the rapids and they're in big trouble and it turns out it's actually a theme park ride. This is a very, very funny gag. I really like this. Getting the, the, the photo. Do, do, do you go on theme park rides? When you go, do you go to theme parks? Like, is that your thing? Or do you just avoid them like the plague? Um, it's not that I avoid them, but uh, they're not necessarily atop my list when it comes to holiday hijinks. Okay. I don't know if there are you, any photos of, like, of me. You'd be more of like a, a museum man, right? Oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, I'm extremely cultured. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> last. I don't know what no the <laughs> yes, give me expensive thrills. I'm, I'm trying to remember the last sort of uh, theme park or amusement park that I went to. It's been a while. You've been to the ones in Australia, right? The little shoebox ones compared to the States? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, 
part of me would like to go to something like Six Flags or you know ride some really insane holy American roller coaster. I mean, you know, when the time comes and we're allowed to sort of leave our homes and our transcend our borders again, that's something that I may well do. But uh, now it's been a very long time since I did that. But you're 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 big on the um you're big on the theme parks and the amusement parks, yes? I'm big on the theme parks. I just like the whole vibe of them, of the, of the place. And not necessarily going on all the, the thrill rides. I mean, Nicola forces me onto some of them. Some of them I just go straight up. It's just not going to happen, sweetheart. You, you're going by yourself or not at all. Like, I ain't getting on. <laughs> but I um, it always makes me feel like a real... I, I, I always feel like shit when I see my wife sitting on a <laughs> ride by herself and I'm sitting there too chicken shit to go on the ride. But anyway, um, I did... When, I, when we went to America, I loved... Universal Studios. That was my favorite. I wasn't a huge fan of Disneyland, believe it or not. It just wasn't... I don't know. I think if I go, if we go back with the kids, I think I'll appreciate it more. I think it's a place for families. Either, for, either a place for families or a place that you went to as a kid and then you have that nostalgia for it. Yeah. I think if you're sort of relying on that degree of nostalgia, it can be invariably a little, invariably a little disappointing eventually for you, but almost certainly for people that you bring along who don't have that same shared experience. I mean, it would be like if, you know, your American friends came out to Melbourne and you said, righto, we're off to Luna Park, um, you know, which is <laughs> perfectly fine. But, you know, if you grew up there and you went on the, you know, the roller coaster that sort of goes around the outside, it'd be like, woo, great fun. And they might be going, oh, why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I believe is the oldest wooden coaster in the world or something. Oh, okay. Or something along those lines. It's the oldest something still functioning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it's the oldest. I thought I, thought I was the oldest. Uh, I thought I was the oldest. Something still functioning. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the oldest manual coaster because basically that's manually operated by the person standing at the front. Oh, cool! Some carny. Yeah, yeah. So he basically keep your, your arms and chat. Keep your hands and legs inside the uh, inside the car, please. <laughs> Step right up. Um, <laughs> anyway, enough about theme parks. Where, where oh, yeah. were we up to in this? Uh, let's see. Oh, we were talking about the. Um, the ye oldie amusement park. Fuck that was a that was a fucking sidebar. Um, so, so we get the <laughs> creepy Silas keeping the uh, the woman that was showing a side her privates. Bar. That was a side building. Yes, <laughs> uh, she's showing her privates, showing off her ankle. Nice little touch there. And then we get my favourite moment. I'm considerable hungry. We got any food left? Hmm. Looks like we're out of corn pone, fat back, hard tack, fat pone, corn tack. Any tack back? Tack back. I mean back tack. Plum out. The boys then go to uh, Poem Pelts and Beyond. I like and that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he charges them two cents, which they think is just highway robbery. I don't like to go to the store across the street, 99 cent store, which compared to two cents is a, a, a quite a markup. Oh, God, yeah. I'm surprised that they sort of had that uh, that degree of, uh, of markup. I mean, I thought it would actually be sort of funnier from a... Um from a comedy standpoint, if it was like, you know, a 10 cent shop or something like, or a five cent shop. Yes. Uh, I think it's because, I I think the the gag being here is that we have 99 cent stores now and they are considered the cheap stores. That's a very good point, Dana. But it'd be like going to Fantastic Furniture complaining and them saying, go to freedom. Like when you buy furniture for your house, do you go for the cheap flat packs or do you splurge? It's funny you should mention it. And Listeners, we did not present this one. Uh, we did not workshop this earlier. But I was actually out at Freedom earlier this week looking at a new couch. Um, mine is starting to, well, Count Basie the cat is clawing the absolute shit out of the ottoman to the point where 
he's clawed all four corners, so I can't shift it around anymore. <laughs> um, I can't. I can't hide the damage anymore. And also, you know, my fat butt has just turned the cushions into into pancakes, so it's not as comfortable as it used to be. So I'm like, mm, I think it might be time to you know uh, make an investment in a new couch. So, and. I've been. I, I, I just think it's because that catch has been getting more action than it usually has been the last two years. <laughs> it's got a bit of action, um, <laughs> but anyway. So um, yeah. When it, I, I bought my last few catches from Freedom, I think I, I think they're quite good. I like I like their style. But the lovely Louise, who was also in the market for some furniture, I think she was looking for a new dining table. Went out to another, this other place. You know, it's the um. It's like the little furniture industrial park out on the highway just before you hit the uh, hit Melbourne Road. You know that one? Freedom's out there. They've got fantastic furniture and one or two others. Do you know yeah, that one? It's like the, it's like the what would we call it? Like, uh, what, what, what would you call that kind of complex? Well, they they usually called like industrial parks, aren't they? Or... Okay, is that what they call? Is that what they call? Okay, yeah. Just, I think it's, so. A bu- bunch of furniture stores. It's got Derrimut's gym out there. The, like, the biggest gym in the Southern Hemisphere, basically. And yeah, just, yeah. They got all that shit. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, they they do have that. It, it seems like a place for, um, yeah, <laughs> um, people who ingest a lot of protein. Let's say. Mm. Um, but the lovely Louise said, "Yeah, they got some pretty nice place, couches at this place, and for half the price." So, hmm. watch this space, people. I may be investing in a new couch, and you, of course, will um, get all the pictures eventually. I will say, there's apparently there's a place in Federal Mills now which is the importer for stores like Freedom. And they have is all the same shit, but like half the sh- price. Not shots. Is it shots? I don't know. It's next to the next to the antique place, apparently. Oh, okay then. Hmm. Yeah, because our friends bought a couch and they pulled it up on Harvey Norman's website. And it was 3600 and they paid 1200 for it. Uh. Exact same thing. It's just that they're the wholesaler. Nice idea. All right. I think yeah. I'll be heading out to Federal Mills. Maybe just yes. top over the uh, the pop culture gallery while I'm out there. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so we will get to the end of this, listeners, I promise. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> we are getting there. Um, so the guys at 99 Cent Store, they see the wanted posters and Bart's been, he's, he's got the, the <laughs> warrant out for what, moonlighting or something? For moonlighting, yeah. Or moonshining. Yes, yes. Moonshining, moonshining, yes. Uh, a poo stitches on them. So they run away, and they hide on the boat. Uh, Hibbert then sings a song randomly, which makes them... And then they fall into like... What are they called? Not the propeller. What are they called? The, oh, they, I forgot what they call those those kind of boats. I mean, like, the like, river boat? Yeah. yeah. Paddle wheel? Paddle paddle steamer? The pa- yeah, paddle, paddle, whatever. You know, people know what we mean. The wheel thing. And it sends yeah. them into the bar. It just got really bizarre. So they, they end up in the bar, and then... They call Mo a cheat because it's not 5X whiskey or whatever it is. Mm. Everyone then draws their derringers. They fire at each other. And as a result, they get thrown into the water and they go to the bottom of the ocean. And then randomly, all the people that were chasing them are now at the bottom of the water. And it cuts to the fact that these two children have now been murdered. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's how this ended. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean... It was a good game because you think they've escaped. But no, it's really, really dark. They've just killed the kids. Um taxidermed them <laughs> and are now lowering them into the coffins. I must admit my attention was kind of diverted by this stage by, I don't know, a bird threw flask the window or um <laughs> I don't know, other stuff happened. I'm 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 sorry, fingers. I mean uh this this episode need to work a bit harder to sort of hold on to my attention at this stage. I mean I know we're tired at the end of the season, but this episode just wasn't that good. <laughs> 
for, for it might be good to an American viewer who understands the story or anyone who does. But if you don't understand the stories, and maybe that's our fault for not going out and doing the research of the stories first. But I go into all these episodes fresh, and if I'm expected to know who the fat Paul Bunyan is, I'm sorry, I'm not going to. <laughs> mm. um, so this isn't. We normally aren't this disinterested with an episode, and we've tried our best, but it just wasn't great. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think the makers of the show were sort of a little bit out of puff near the end of the season, and uh, your pals Dando and Guy uh, are feeling a bit similar. I mean, no, we're not. We're actually full of beans. But yes, uh, last week was great. I, I really enjoyed last week's episode. Shouldn't have a lesser clod. I thought that would have been a better one to end on because at least it ended with the whole family unit being together again. You know, Homer says I'm going to spend more time with you guys instead of the other kids, and blah blah blah. Like at least that had a good ending. This one was just like, how did this one end? Are oh, they arrive in Delaware? Um, they're going to go see the JC Penny store that sends all the damaged items. But then Hobo says, I gave you three stories. You're going to give me three sponge baths. Mm. So then Homer stays and gives the guy baths, a bath while the family leave. It's just, yeah. Yeah. But that's not, not all. Because don't forget, you got to sit through the credits for the Gracie. And what's over the Gracie? Tell me, sir. Tell me. What is it? It's Homer saying, oh boy, buffalo testicles, and then a chomp. You know, because a good gag is worth repeating, and apparently so is this one. <laughs> You've used that so many times. <laughs> <laughs> what did we learn, Palmer? So what did you learn for the episode, Mr. Davis? Mm. Not much. <laughs> See, I, I, yeah, this, uh, this episode did not really sort of... Um, uh, provide us with much in the world. I mean, despite the fact that it uh, travelled back into time into American folklore and American literature and all that, not a whole lot of takeaway from it. Maybe that a hopped-up pituitary gland is the um, is the key to abnormally large growth. Nobos. That's what I learned. That that you know the the term for everyday people who uh, don't ride the rails and eat beans out of a can. And nobos. I learned that the the, uh, the term plum out needs to make its way into more common day vocab. We said, you know, the word Which, plum out is used quite commonly in cricket terms. You know, you're plum out, but it's just something mm-hmm. needs to say more often. We got we got any tomatoes? Now we're plum out. It's good, good, good term. Uh, okay, well, I'm I'm taking I'm I'm calling upon you to, uh, you know, next time, you know, I start sort of blathering away and say. Guy, we're we're plumb out of time. You know, stop, <laughs> stop, stop boring us with anecdotes. It's going to be a thing. We're plumb out of time. All right, that's that's it. That's that's the new that's the new bit here. That's my new shtick. <laughs> From this day forward, your name shall be. It's the final new name, Guy Davis Championship for season twelve of Four Finger Disco. I'm very very excited. Uh, the current leaderboard standing, of course, at this in third position. We have Josh Hedge. What was his name going to be, Josh? The Clipper Hedge, was that it? The Clipper? Yeah, the Clipper. Yeah, Josh the Hedge. Uh, Josh the Clipper yeah. Hedge uh, on 15 points. He's in third position. Alistair Dunnett, not far behind on 14 and fourth position. In second, uh, Garode Harrowhill, Gear on 16 points. And atop the leaderboard is D.L. Gorman on at 19 points. So the winner, after all this, will receive $100 straight into their bank account. Take it away, Mr. Davis. What oh. have we got for Simpson Tall Tales? Well, I think before we get to gold, silver, and bronze, and indeed the final champion of the new titles championship, uh, a few honourable mentions this time around. I'm not sure if I've ever said this name out loud on this podcast, so forgive me if I mess it up, but uh, Jet Gurdon? Jet Gurdon. I don't think you have read out Jet's name on the podcast for the new name championship anyway, so well done. You finally got in there just in time. 
Oh, Jet Propelled with Locomotivational Speaking. Ooh, that's very, very good. I like it. It's not bad. Just outside the top three, that one. As was Keith Nettam throwing in a bit of a uh, ye oldie Simpsons reference with Hoberail. What's that name? And um, (laughs) I I thought that's pretty. He added a a little bit more to the end of it, but I just. Hoberail. 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 And threw in a little. (laughs) Did throw in the home bit, which I thought was very nice. Uh, no more notable mentions this time around. Okay. Let's just go to three, let's two, do it. one. I'm very excited to see whether DL can get toppled or let's see what happens. What do we got? Okay, well, wh- one point to Andy Gengler. Andy. Yes, who gave us the hobo that couldn't scrub down. Ooh, very, very good. Andy, you have already the wildcard draw, so you now finish on two points, I believe. Now, it was so close between uh, two points and three points. Very, very close. Um, uh, but two points go to our man, Geroid Harahill. Geroid. Geroid. The Geroid less travelled, uh, who gave us tales of the fragrant vagrant. Did they talk about his stench at any point? No, but it's kind of implied that he's a bit of a stinker. And yeah. the fact that he's, you know, so desperate to get, uh, to get, uh, rubbed down by Homer indicates that he's, you know, wanted to get rid of the stench. That is true. Well, Garo's now finished on 18 points, which means he can't win. He's in outright second at the moment. Who got the three points for this week? It's D.L. Gorman. D.L. Gorman again, coming home strong. Mm. D.L. Gorman gave us planes, trains, and sponge-bathing deals. (laughs) Sponge-bathing deals. Very, very good. I still do not have never seen that film in full, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Haven't you not? No. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah, everyone tells me it's great. Yeah. That's the one that's got oh, yeah. the, uh, the big rant at the end, right? Uh, it's got the big rant in the middle. Oh, it's in the middle, is it? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I th- I, Planes, Trains and Audible would be right up your alley, I think. It's, okay, a, it's, cool. a, it's a very funny movie. It's a very sweet movie. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it, Dando. All right. So that means that the final standings of the Guy Davis New Name Championship for Season 12. In third position, mm-hmm. Josh Hedge on fifteen. In second position, Garod Harahill on 18. And in first position, back-to-back championship titles for D.L. Gorman on 22 points. The Gorman. Oh, international person of mystery, but uh, a championship, back-to-back. It's incredible stuff. Inspirational stuff. Motivational stuff. Yes. Congratulations, D.L. Thank you for your contributions throughout the season. I will send you your $100 at some point this week. I've still got your back accounts from last season, so... Oh, yeah. Good times. But not just, a thank, not just thanks to DL, but thanks no, to no. everyone who, exactly. uh, who uh, supplied a name or an alternative title throughout Season 12. You're all winners, every one of you, but in a more real concrete sense, DL is the winner. Yes, and don't worry, guys, because next week we're going to have the wild card draw for everybody who didn't win. And then, of course, Season 13 from that week onwards, and we will start again from scratch. Maybe we need to give DL a handicap. <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> Still wins. <laughs> <laughs> Javale! Javale is here! Ooh. The final mailbag for season 12, four figure discount for Simpson Tour Tales, Mr. Davis. Not a huge amount of questions come through. They, if they don't really want to get involved, usually it means that people don't really give a shit. And it's like I said, mm. not to say this episode's bad, but it's just not that much substance to it. But we've got a question here from Andrew Swan. And he says, What's your favorite episode of a TV show that went completely away from their usual format? 
Well, uh, would you like to answer this first, Mr. Dando? I always enjoyed when the Drew Carey show went way off and just sort of did the you know the improvised episodes and things like that. I think that was the first mainstream sitcom to really do that, were they not? Um, to go live yeah. and to do improvised episodes. Like, like they pretty much did like an episode of Whose Lines Did Anyway, but in the form of the Drew Carey show. That's a good point. I was never really, uh, never watched, never really watched the Drew Carey show all that much. Really, I loved mm. the Drew Carey show when I was younger, and, we can, and you can never really find it anywhere. That's true. It does seem to have vanished off the radar a bit. It's not on any streamers, as far as you can tell. Not, not well, not in Australia anyway. Um, I mean, I've got mm. the illegal downloaded copies, but even them, they're terrible, <laughs> sort of like ripped off TV copies. I, I think they only ever released season one on DVD, and that's it. So, please, whoever's in charge, whoever owns the rights to Drew Carey show, get it out there. I love the Drew Carey show. <laughs> you will have at least one satisfied customer in Australia. So, uh, yeah, get on that, whoever uh, the powers that be. Speaking of myself, um, I uh, back in the uh, back in the eighties was a huge, huge fan of a TV series called Moonlighting, as you know. And Moonlighting played fast and loose with it with its format um, on frequent occasions. There were a, there was at least one episode um, that they uh, transposed the characters into like a nineteen forties film noir sort of murder mystery that shot it all in black and white. I think they actually had Orson Welles, the late, great Orson Welles of Citizen Kane fame. I think it was probably the last thing that he ever did before he died. He sort of introduced the episode as himself. Pretty, <laughs> no, it's a, pretty it cool. A, yeah, for, you know, prime time on a Thursday night or whatever, it's like, that's a bit strange. Um, <laughs> they did another episode that was... Moonlighting was notoriously kind of, uh, shall we say, troubled. Behind the scenes, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd apparently did not like each other all that much. Um, the show was so dialogue heavy that uh, scripts are often late getting in, and you know there were there were production delays as a result. And they did one episode where it was basically they got a veteran entertainment reporter to come on and interview the characters and say, "Why is the show so off the rails? I mean, is it true that you two don't like each other?" And all that kind of stuff was very sort of meta, which I really dug. Oh, so that was um, the actual episode. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of like behind the laughter. A bit, yeah, yeah. And the most famous one, I think, of, of the batch um, was an episode titled Atomic Shakespeare, where they basically um, did a version of Shakespeare's The Taming of the Shrew with uh, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd in the lead roles as this combative couple. Uh, and the whole episode was written in iambic pentameter, like a Shakespeare play, but it was a moonlighting episode. It was, uh, it was pretty ambitious and actually kind of funny. Yeah, so I was a, I was a big fan whenever, you know, Moonlighting sort of strayed away from its, uh, you know, its banter and its uh, murder mystery of the week to yeah go a bit off the rails. I've never actually seen it, but I've heard a lot about the Buffy musical episode. I, th- I think it was called like Once More with Feeling or something. Once More with Feeling, yeah, yeah. Buffy did, yeah, and Buffy had an episode that was completely silent as well, I believe. Really, That's pretty am- that is very ambitious for a, a hit show, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and particularly one you know written by someone like Joss Whedon, who prides himself on uh, on his snappy dialogue. So um, yeah, look, a lot. I think a lot of our favourite shows have um, yeah tried something uh, new and interesting at various stages throughout the process. I guess it just gets to a point where the writers just go, "We're bored. We want to do something different." <laughs> well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Keith Nedham. Says, "Do you guys have any tall tales in the land down under?" Well, we mentioned one earlier, the Waltz and Matilda. That seems to be one. Yeah, it's a bit of a folktale. I think. Um, Ned, would a Ned Kelly story if, be a thing, even though it's kind of true? Like you know, I, I know it's, it's, been, it's been exaggerated, but I think so. Yeah, I think it's kind of um, yeah, bits of it have been enhanced and blown up out of all proportion over time. 
Uh, I think you could say maybe the same about the man from Snowy River and Clancy of the Overflow, sort of Banjo Patterson's kind of folk tales and, and poems and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that I don't know if that exactly counts, but uh, it's not quite as say ridiculous or uh, disbelief suspending as say the tale of Paul Bunyan, but uh, it's sort of entered folklore. I think where Australia kind of gets into tall tale stuff is mainly around sort of pub stories and a lot of them around sport yeah. as well. You know, I mean... Um, we're a very sport... That, we're not a very old country, that's the problem. But yeah, we are very sport-orientated. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the Geelong Football Club, yet of course, listeners know that uh, Dando and I both hail from the great regional city of Geelong. And we've got our own football team, the Cats. We had a player named Billy Brownless, who was uh, recruited from, I think, Gerildery. Or some country town, but uh, there was a legend sort of went around about Billy, who was a terrific uh, goal kicker and a you know very mighty on the boot that he kicked a goal and it went through the goalpost, but he it had such power that it just kept going and went over like the uh, the wheat silos that were behind the uh, the footy yeah. ground or something. <laughs> I don't think that's actually true. I don't think that's how it actually happened. But um, people were very happy to sort of. Um, recount that one i think billy himself was probably responsible for perpetuating that myth as well he makes the silo taller and taller every time he tells the story i imagine he does yeah yeah but um but there's also our local geelong beer furphy i mean furphy is based well a furphy is a tall tale isn't it yeah a a bit of a bullshit legend is is, is that an australian uh, term for it though i think it might be in all honesty i mean uh international listeners if you've ever heard the term furphy and that means bullshit <laughs> get get back to us and let us know we'd we'd appreciate it but uh yeah i thought it was an australian thing i actually went to school with um i don't know if they're actually attached to the to the beer but uh the furphy brothers well Furf- I mean, uh, I think, i'm pretty sure furphy is a wa isn't it wa i oh, know little creatures is wa and they have their own because little creatures brew furphy here and they brew their own beer in wa as well two separate beers okay but uh yeah i mean Australia does have tall tales, and they mainly revolve around um, beer and yes, sport. People who beer and sport. <laughs> uh, final question for season twelve: Kenny Gad sends through saying, "When you were younger, Kenny G, <laughs> what uh, what music did your parents play to you on long journeys?" I used to travel up to Melbourne with my dad on Sundays a lot, and my dad was very big on blues, blues and jazz. Do you reckon so that's where your influence I, yeah. comes from, then? I guess I, it could it could well be. I remember hearing a lot of um, a lot of BB King. Dad loved BB King, so uh, yes, the great uh, the great bluesman. So yeah, that's that's probably what I heard a fair bit. I we used to have the um, is it called a tape deck or just a cassette player in the car? Oh, uh, I think it, it it was technically called a cassette player, but I mean, if you were cool, you called it the tape deck. Yeah, yeah, we, we are. Yeah, so we had the we used to put cassettes in there. I remember my dad used to tape some songs off the radio. And songs like I remember had um, I'd Do Anything For Love, Meatloaf. He was very big on Meatloaf, my dad. Loved Meatloaf. Ooh. But also had that song, and it was my favourite song as a kid as a result, was Mysterious Girl by Peter Andre, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I loved that song as a kid. I remember it was track two on that tape. But whenever I hear the song now, I always hear like the guy doing the dub at the end, like talking over the, to- over the end of the song because I heard it so often as a, ch- as a child with that guy from the radio <laughs> station sort of saying, and that is Peter Andre with Mysterious Girl. Well, like, I can't help but hear that every time I hear the song now. Do you have moments <laughs> like that where, you, where you, you, you downloaded a song that was sort of glitchy or you, you, you taped a song off the radio that you heard so many times? Do you, do you have moments like that where you hear that song and you hear the, the other version of it that you remember? A little bit. I mean, I've... 
Not so much that, but I, I do have a song that, uh, that I really enjoyed in the 2000s, and uh, I've been able to find it anywhere else, but I think I downloaded it from like LimeWire or one of those things. Kazaa, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it was a bit, uh, a tiny bit glitchy, so there's a bit in the middle where it sort of goes like yep, that. Yep, <laughs> or like a pop sound, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I think I've just gotten used to that being part of the song now. I think if I actually heard the original version, it'd be like, where's the... Yeah, a 100%. There's a, um, I always remember it was uh, Why Can't This Be Loved by Van Halen. Oh. And it, I know the intro goes, and it's like a pop sound. And whenever <laughs> I listen to it now, I have to do that pop. Like, it's just part of the song for me now. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my mum was very big on ABBA. My dad was very big on Meatloaf. Uh, that's pretty much what I was raised on. Bad Out of Hell, oh. the album, and uh, ABBA's Greatest Hits. That's what I was raised on. <laughs> That that's a perfectly good way to be raised. That's a terrific foundation to to raise a child. Uh, but thank you guys for sending in your questions, and thank you everyone for uh, joining us on this long journey through season twelve of The Simpsons. I was actually sitting at work today, contemplating. Think far out, like we've I've gone through twelve seasons of The Simpsons now. It's it's insane. I just <laughs> I didn't think I'd actually get this far, but I'm still loving the show. I'm enjoying it, and the fact that you guys have stuck around for so long, I love each and every one of you. And I think just having you on the show now, Mister Davis, has brought a you know, fresh uh, breath of fresh air to the show that you make me see these episodes in a more positive light than I think I would have had I not had oh. you on board. So thank you for joining well, the show. And how, how, how do you think season 12 overall went for you? Oh, look, it was a, a season of highs and lows, but uh, certainly up there with the highs was just uh, discussing it with, discussing it with you and uh, getting feedback from the, uh, from the fingers along the way. Look, it's been an absolute treat to be uh, to be part of season twelve, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing more, doing it all again when we uh, start season thirteen. That's right. So uh, next week at some point, patrons, we're going to do a uh, little recap for you guys. Just run through some mailbag questions that we didn't have time to get through throughout the season. Uh, get through as many of those as we can, and we will draw the winner of the wild card. But the next episode of Four Finger Discount is going to be Season 13 and the kick-off Season 13, Mr. Davis, with a Treehouse of Horror episode. So something to look forward to there. Thank goodness for that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Once again, guys, thank you so much. Don't forget, please, if you have a few moments uh, in your day to rate and review us in the iTunes store, uh, give us five stars and tell us what you what you like about the show. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter at Four Finger Pod. Follow us on Instagram at Four Finger Discount. And just continue to watch and enjoy The Simpsons. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. I am Dando. Mr. Davis, any final words for the listeners? Uh, just a just a shout-out to the fingers. You guys are the greatest audience a giant doofus could have. Shh.